The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is your host, Mary Woods. And I hope you're having a wonderful Monday. Our topic today is recovery through mindfulness, and our guest is Michael Weinberger. And Michael has a number of years' experience in um, practicing mindfulness as well as gratitude and spirituality um, to help on the path of recovery. Uh, Welcome to our show, Michael. Thanks, Mary. So tell me, how did you get involved with uh, developing an app? Uh, so, uh, my background, uh, I was uh, diagnosed uh, with bipolar disorder uh, back in 1994. And uh, as a result of my diagnosis, uh, I was in kind of need for a solution uh, that I'm able to take with me and use on demand. And in addition to being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, I also deal with addiction-related issues. Uh, primarily food addiction, uh, where I've gone through the 12-step process of managing uh, food obsession and losing, you know, 100, over 155 pounds. What I had learned or needed was in between the 12-step meetings and in between my therapy sessions and in between my doctor's visits, I needed a way to decompress and to practice everything I was learning and have something there to aid me in that process. And so I developed the tool, uh, A Plan for Living, uh, which is my app, uh, to help me practice this very specific methodology I've come up with. So could you explain a little bit about the methodology and how it helps um, you deal with what you're, you're feeling? Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, if I may, I'll go into a little bit of a, a story. Uh, growing up, I had a, a single mom, a single mother, and she was a school teacher. And uh, she kind of brought me up by the simple paradigm that you're not allowed to decide how you feel from the comfort of your own bed. And so, from very early on, uh, from elementary school, I remember saying, Mom, I don't feel well. I, I'm just, I'm too sick to go to school. And my mother would say, great, get up, get dressed, take a shower, and meet me downstairs at the breakfast table. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I don't know that you're listening to me. I don't feel well. And she's like, well, you know, let's get moving. And at the breakfast table, I'd have my breakfast, and I'd tell her I still don't feel well. And she said, great. I believe that you don't feel well, but let's get to school and do what we have to 
And when we come home, if we still don't feel well, we can then take a nap and rest. And so from early on, uh, I was taught that you need to have a ritual that helps you take giant steps forward. In dealing with bipolar disorder, uh, there are many, many days where I'm, I believe I'm unable to get out of bed where I believe I'm not going to make it through that day. And so what I started to realize was, even during my worst times, and I could touch on uh, 2015 in a little bit, uh, when I was in crisis and literally dealing with suicidal ideations and thoughts on a daily basis, I would wake up, I'd take my shower, I'd go out for breakfast, and I'd start my day. And so... I was looking around for tools, and, and what, what hit me was a, a very simple question I needed to ask myself to reframe my day. And the simple question was, how happy are you? And so unlike some of the other apps that are out there that says, how are you feeling? What words can describe your feelings? I simply wanted like a pain scale. Zero means I'm not moving. Ten means I'm taking over the world. How do I feel right now? And so I would wake up and I'd answer that simple question and uh, I would start moving. And once I answered that question, uh, I then have three components that I consider the happiness formula. And those three components are gratitude plus spirituality plus mindfulness equals awareness and awareness ultimately creates happiness. And so uh, within my app, A Plan for Living, once I ask myself how happy am I, I move into what am I grateful for? And the question is, what or who am I grateful for? And I start to rattle off a list. And when I first started doing this practice, I struggled finding things. I was unable to come up with more than three or four things before I thought it was a foolish notion and really wasn't going to help me. I was more agitated by having to do it than, and then finding it to be helpful. But every day, I would create my gratitude list. And I started to become grateful for some of the strangest things in my life. Those things would include uh, my house my job, my marriage, my divorce. I had a verbally and emotionally abusive father. I was grateful for him. And the reason why I was grateful for him was he taught me how never to treat other people. And so what gratitude was doing for me was really rewiring and changing the lens in my glasses as to how I viewed the world. What? Once I uh, pushed through my gratitude list and I got to the end, uh, I found that each day it was easier to create more and more gratitudes. Whereas today, I sit down and within a few minutes of starting the apps, I probably create 30 gratitudes before I, I need to start really thinking about it. Once I created my gratitudes, I asked myself again a simple question, how happy am I? And invariably, I was always happier than I was prior to starting the exercise. The next step uh, was spirituality. 
Spirituality for me, uh, it's one of the trickier concepts to describe. But for me, I describe it as anything that happens in the universe that I cannot explain. Right? Anything that there's no reason for that I don't understand that just happens. Uh, that to me is spirituality. And so what I've learned is to turn things over to the universe. And some people are comfortable using the word prayer. Some people are comfortable using the word wishes, intentions, thoughts. Whatever it is, it's the action of asking something greater than yourself for assistance. And I always give people an example on understanding what spirituality is. If you've ever went to weigh yourself, right, and you've been trying to lose weight or know you haven't been eating well, and you pause before you get on that scale, that pause is typically you speaking to somebody hoping for a good number, right? I've had to lose hundreds of pounds in my lifetime, and invariably I will stand there. The most spiritual is right before I get on the scale. I pause and I say to myself, I say to God, I say, universe, just let the numbers go down. Just give me a break. That to me is, is what reaching out means and what being spiritual is. And so uh, for me, when I start creating my spiritual list, I pray for things like my marriage, like my friends that might be having difficulty in their marriages, like for easier traffic. You know, it could be for myself. It could be for somebody else. It doesn't matter. It's simply me putting my problems out into the world. And the reason it helps me feel better is I no longer have to take all of the responsibility and burden of my problems. I'm able to put those responsibilities out into the universe and let them be worried about by something else, right? Because I have a finite amount of energy uh, in a day. I have a finite number of things I'm going to solve. And uh, I'm deciding that ha being happy is a choice and I'm going to make that choice. So I'm not going to let the rest of the world interfere with me. And so once I create my spirituality list, I again struggled with this, but it started to become a list of names, names and institutions and things of that nature where I was able to say, hey, help my buddy who's going through some back pain. Help my buddy who's going through a divorce. People that I knew needed as much help uh, or guidance as they could possibly get. And it just allowed me to practice a level of humility that uh, took me out of being so focused on myself. It allowed me to really be more aware of all of the good and positive that's going on in my life. Once I created my spirituality list, I would move back and ask myself the question again, how happy am I? And invariably, I started to creep up each time I did one of these exercises. The final piece, uh, which I perform uh, on, a, on more of a daily basis, is the mindful aspect. I try and capture my thoughts and emotions throughout the day and give pause to them before reacting, right? And so for me, being mindful is being ever-present. It's being aware that I'm experiencing an emotion or a thought, 
I'm not necessarily experiencing a fact and I might need time to process that event before responding to it. And so the visual I give for mindfulness is that my left hand is my emotion or my event and my right hand is my reaction. And if you could visually see me, my left hand, in order to get from my left to my right hand, I have to clap my hands, right? It has to go up an arm, across some shoulders, down an arm, and connect. And the more mindful I am, the wider the space between my experience and my response. And so throughout the day, when I get upsetting emails from clients or my wife calls with frustrating news or stuff that's really taking me off track uh, or friends are distracting me or anything that you could possibly think of, I simply note it and continue to stay on target for the day. And so for me, the happiness formula is create, using those three components of the tool to really help me become more aware of what's going on. I just want to um, want you to hold that thought, and we'll be right back after uh, this commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour of Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today. And we're talking with Michael Weinberger about um, recovery through mindfulness. And in our first segment, Michael was sharing with us um, the foundation of his recovery, which is um, mindfulness, gratitude, and spirituality, and that he has developed an app called A Plan for Living to incorporate these uh, three components um, in, in recovery. And as we were going to break, Michael, um, you were starting to talk about how you pull all these three big things together. And um, going forward, you were going to, I think, go into goal setting. So could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Thanks so much. Um, the, the final piece within my methodology for the happiness formula, again, being gratitude, spirituality, and mindfulness uh, which creates awareness, uh, which ultimately creates happiness, is in goal setting. And I used to find that I dealt with a lot of uh, self-loathing behavior, a lot of envy, a lot of coveting, a lot of uh, why does the rest of the world have it so good and when am I going to have it good, right? And it's a terrible feeling to wake up every day uh, to feel inferior to everyone else in the world. And uh, one of the things I dealt with uh, when I first got into recovery for food addiction uh, was uh, within six months, I lost uh, over 150 pounds. And uh, I was able to do that because a a doctor said to me, uh, if I didn't lose 100 pounds, I'd be dead in a couple of years. Uh, And so I was driven through what I believe to be a manic episode uh, to lose 155 pounds immediately. However, uh, when I look at other goals in my life, whether it was growing my own company, whether it was getting married or having kids or buying a house or whatever it was, it was really these micro goals. So uh, rather than having these long-term goals that kind of hang over me, like how am I going to lose and how am I going to lose 50 pounds? When am I going to have a family? When am I going to do these things? I create micro goals for living in the moment or living for today. And so, for example, one of my micro goals today might be to be present. And so I'll put be present in my app. And throughout the day, I'll be reminded when I'm engaging in conversations with people, when I'm setting expectations for clients, when I'm communicating with my wife, Am I being present? Am I hearing everything that I need to hear? Am I prepared to be here? And if so, uh, you know, am I actively engaging in the relationship? An additional one is follow my food plan. And the reason why I set that, I don't worry about how much weight I need to lose or not lose. I don't worry about what I need to accomplish by the summer or the winter or this vacation. 
for today, I just want to follow the food plan as it's been given to me by a nutritionist. And whatever the goal might be, it might be follow a financial plan, right? If you have a problem spending, following a financial plan. If you have a problem with drinking, following your sobriety. Whatever it is, it's a simple reminder to be in the moment. And so uh, when I set up these little goals, for example, this year, uh, I was able to lose uh, 56 pounds in the first six months. Every day I put follow my food plan. I have the ability to label a goal as interested or committed. And I think it's an important way to do that because I have a lot of trouble with negative self-talk. I love beating myself up. And so when I put committed, that's a goal I'm committed to doing before the end of today. So when I struggle with food or whatnot, if I put follow my food plan and I'm committed, every time I sit down to eat, I have an app with me that I'm able to look at. It simply reminds me, hey, I've committed to this. Now I could just follow through on my commitment and I could stop the negative self-talk and negative self-behavior. Ultimately, uh, what I've learned through the use of my app and tool uh, is that uh, happiness uh, cannot be taken away. It can only be given away. And once I realized that I was in the business of giving away my happiness and really putting myself in an inferior place to the rest of the world, uh, I, I, it, I started to realize that I, that was a choice I was making. Once I stopped making that choice and I started to practice humility that I have problems and so does everybody else, I came to the realization that I could start being happy today even if my behavior never changes. And so that's really a key component of my view of mindfulness. I used to think I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I have two kids. I'll be happy when I lose 150 pounds. I'll be happy when I have the house or the car or the business or the retirement accounts. Well, what I've learned is I'm happiest now. I've gained over 100 pounds back several times in my recovery. I have uh, gotten divorced. I've lost half my business. And... I've recovered from all of those things. And I, re I came to realize that I wasn't going to be happy when. I was going to be happy now. And all of those other things started to just fall into place. And something that the app, A Plan for Living, helped me realize was that I was focusing on all of my wants. And I was just assuming my needs were being taken care of. My needs included being spiritual, being mindful, following a food plan. My needs weren't growing a business and buying a house and having a family. Once I started to pay attention and work on my needs, like following my food plan and losing weight and being grounded and being more at peace and more humble, all of a sudden, my wants just started to happen. I have an amazing marriage of five years following a, a, a terrible divorce. 
I have two beautiful, healthy, independent children. My business has grown fivefold uh, over the past eight years. And the universe is providing for me. And so my, my responsibility every day is stand up, be present, and get out of my own way. <laughs> so I don't have to uh, be the one impeding my own success. So, Michael, you've, you've mentioned um, recovery a couple times, and you've also mentioned gaining and losing 100 pounds a couple times. How do you define recovery for yourself? What, what does that entail? Sure. So, um, I recovery for me is uh, the, the practice of... Um, a lot of the principles of the 12 steps, if not the 12 steps specifically, which include acceptance and spirituality and turning your will over and uh, allowing others to be in charge. And so for me, for uh, I, I also don't drink. Uh, I don't drink because of the medications I take for my uh, bipolar disorder. Uh, however, for food... Uh, I'd always struggled with what does abstinence mean, right? right. What does abstinence right. mean? Because you have to yep. address food multiple times throughout the course of your day. And so uh, I had lost 155 pounds in six months. Was I abstinent? I feel like I had less recovery with the massive weight loss than I did when I had gained all my weight back. Now, uh, my wife is also in program, and so we practice uh, gratitude and spirituality and mindfulness in our house, which helps reinforce our own recovery, right? And so uh, when we argue with one another, we're quick to acknowledge uh, each other's feelings because you can't argue feelings, mm-hmm. right? But you can get them out onto the table and respect one another, so for me, recovery is demonstrating respect for those around you uh, and respect for yourself, right? It's uh, about acknowledging that you have character defects and hoping to catch them and uh, get rid of them. And so in, in a simple way with the app, when you're being mindful, if you notice that a character defect of yours is envy, or rage, or irritability, or jealousy, when you start to have these feelings, if you can experience them and not act on them, for me, that is recovery. It's really about how you live your life. Yeah, yeah. It's really about how you live your life, not a specific weight number or about being um, a perfect person. That's right. That's right. I actually think that if you were to look at the concept of a perfect person, to me, uh, I, I do a lot of writing on the subject. And so I tell my wife that we have the perfect marriage. We argue the perfect amount. We love each other the perfect amount. We have contempt for each other the perfect amount. Uh, and we're committed to it the perfect amount for whatever that means, right? It, for us, it is the perfect amount. So what has been your experience with other people um, following your plan? 
so uh, I've, I've actually had a, a, a lot of success. Uh, I work with uh, an individual uh, who's in uh, a dual recovery. Uh, and when I started working with him, uh, he weighed over 500 pounds. Uh, he's currently maintaining a uh, 260 to 270 pound weight loss for seven years. Uh, I work with him daily through the tool. And uh, the feedback he's given me is not only, uh, not only do the meetings help and the rooms and the camaraderie and the, the, the friendships that are established, the tool helps bridge the gap during crisis, right? The tool helps bridge the gap. And an example I can give you with him, uh, he calls me up uh, one day and he tells me how terrible uh, his morning's going. And he tells me how terrible his morning's going because the light bulb on his car is burning out and he's super frustrated, right? Now he's in recovery seven years. And he's super frustrated. Recovery doesn't mean you don't get frustrated, right? Exactly. Re- recovery doesn't mean there's no traffic. Reco- you know, medication for mental illness doesn't mean you're always happy. It right. means you have a tool to help react and respond. And so I'm talking to him. And after he tells me all of the negatives, which is fine, sometimes it's a cathartic experience to acknowledge you're not feeling well. I said, well, why don't we just do our gratitude list? And he rattles off 10 things that he is grateful for. Now, in 12-step recovery, uh, I, don't, I don't recall that there's exactly uh, a gratitude list. And so that's why for my app, I use the gratitude list as a tool for my recovery. And he if I off- just have to break in here for a second so we can go right to commercial. And we'll be right back after this break. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. 
Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and I'm your host today. And our topic is recovery through mindfulness. And our guest is Michael Weinberger, who has developed an app, um, A Plan for Living. Uh, Michael, before I had to interrupt you there for a break, you were telling us about a person that you've been working with that um, while the person's been in recovery for a little over seven years, Life still happens, and we still have to find a way every day to deal with our frustrations and our challenges. So I didn't know whether there was any more you wanted to say about that or... No, that's, that's exactly right. And, and to, to correct myself, you know, gratitude is a, is a significant part of the recovery model. And once I worked the recovery model with him and my plan for living methodology of gratitude and spirituality, he started to feel better. Right. And so the final point on that is the traffic to work didn't get any lighter. The people he worked with didn't become any nicer. His pro- his workload didn't go away. He didn't make more money, but it was it all felt better and OK for that day. And for that day, he didn't have to overeat and he didn't have to drink. For, for, for me, that's a successful day in recovery. Exactly. Um, um, while we were um on our commercial break, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about some of the um, things we're hearing in the news lately about the show, the people that have lost weight on the weight loss show that's on television, and um, they've lost a tremendous amount of weight, and then they gain it back, and that some people are thinking there's some type of mechanism that gets um, activated or created that your body then ultimately just you lose control and you just end up back at the same weight or heavier. And I'm wondering what your experience with that has been. Sure. Well, thank, thank you for asking. And in, in, in specific, uh, you know, I had lost uh, 155 pounds in Overeaters Anonymous in six months. And I maintained that weight loss for uh, over two years, close to three years. And I was at a healthy weight and, uh, things were going well. And I had found, uh, now reflecting back on that experience, which occurred over 10 years ago, uh, you know, there were two tools that, that caused me to gain weight. And it was not metabolism or anything I did to my body. It was denial and a fork. <laughs> Once I denied what I was eating, and I kept putting all of that denial on the end of my fork, the scale started to go up. And that spiritual moment I talked to you about 
It's kind of like you go away on vacation and you eat five, six, seven thousand calories a day on a cruise and you come home. Before you get on the scale, you're like, come on, just give me a good number. Well, that denial it becomes, well, just give it to me tomorrow and the next day. And so as we were talking, uh, I take uh, medication for bipolar disorder. I am now medication compliant. I was not medication compliant during my weight loss. I'm medication compliant now. I take 17 pills a day. In the first six months of this year, on that medication, I've lost 56 pounds. And I've lost 56 pounds for a couple of reasons. One, I was willing to acknowledge I didn't know how to do this, and I needed to allow a, a nutritionist to tell me what to do. Second, I needed to simply write down and be honest with myself, right? Because if I didn't have that level of honesty with myself, how was I ever going to change my behavior, right? And three, I needed to come to terms with the fact that if I never lost another pound, could I be happy right now? And I came to realize that I was happier at 350 pounds than I was at 225 pounds, right? I came to realize that my medication was stable, my marriage was stable, all of these positive things were happening for me. And once I turned it over, the weight started to come off while I took the medication. So uh, I hope that kind of answers the, the question or the position there, Mary. Yeah, well, no, I think it. I think it does. I know um, here at Westbridge, uh, we have a lot of folks that have to take medications similar to the ones you take, and weight gain is part of it. And I think sometimes they feel like there's a hopelessness about losing the weight, but being able to work the program as as you're talking about it, and being really honest about what you're eating is gives people hope that it's just not something that's going to happen to you regardless of what you do. You do have control over what you put on the end of the fork. Right. And it's that, you know, in program, it's, it's all about rigorous honesty. And, right. you know, are you being rigorously honest with yourself? You know, I went out for, so for, for maybe I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I weigh and measure my food now the majority of the time. And I went to a restaurant while I was on vacation this past weekend, and I had this sandwich. And when I weighed the sandwich, the bread of the sandwich came out to four and a half servings of bread. The protein on the sandwich came out to three ounces of protein, wow. three servings of protein. And so just to understand, it also came with chips, Right. So by the, before I made any adjustments to the meal, I was going to have six, piece, six or seven pieces of bread and three pieces of meat. And when you start to hear that and see that, you become, well, now let me just modify it so I still get to eat the food out, but uh, I can only eat two servings of the bread and I have to add protein all of a sudden I realized that I was eating poorly, getting on the scale, hoping for results. So uh, that's just kind of how I live my life today. Um, 
and, and, you know, try and practice recovery, not be angry, be present, you know, follow my food plan. Right, right. So um, as you were talking about last time, I just want to say this because I think it's really important that happiness is about focusing on what you have as opposed to what you don't have. Your, your needs being met versus your wants. That's exactly right. Our wants don't make us happy. And as children, we unfortunately learn that our wants make us happy, right? Because right. our parents are taking care of our needs. Our parents take care of our needs. So as children, all we do is chase our wants. And at some point, we become adults. And if at some point in the world, the world doesn't say, hey, you got to stop paying attention to your wants. They're not happiness. Your needs are happiness. Well, I never attended that, co- that class in college, right? I never attended the class where they tell you, hey, you could be happy if you focus on what you need. Right. So it starts, you know, even with my kids uh, at the dinner table, my four-year-old will, will if, if we don't prompt her, my four-year-old will say, can I tell you what good happened to me today? And she then tells us three or four things of good things that happened to her that day because we're encouraging that behavior in our house. And when you start to change that mindset, again, I can only tell you, I I will only share what has worked for me, right? That's my belief. I used to pay attention to my receivables. Because if I made more money, I would be happier. Well, what happened? I, did, I wasn't happier. I was actually more frustrated and angry and irritated that things weren't going the way I felt they needed to go. Once I stopped paying attention to my receivables, I made more money. If you think about this scenario, it, it, it becomes logical when you hear it, but not while you're living it. If Uh, I'm arguing with my wife or I'm arguing with my clients because I feel they're not doing something the way I want. And I lock in. Are they going to come back to me and be um, communicative and uh, looking for solutions? No, they're going to lock into what they feel is right. But if I could bring a happier, calmer, peaceful Michael to the game, I don't know what their outcome is going to be. But I trust it's going to work. So I had a client that was cutting my budget in half, meaning I was going to lose half of my revenue from them. And what would I typically do pre-recovery? I would get bitter and angry and judgeful. Post-recovery? I started to give that client more attention. And why? Because does the client want to work with somebody that's bitter, judgeful, and angry? Or does the client want to work with somebody that's humble and willing to acknowledge there were issues? And someone that's reaching out and is is collaborative. Well, the collaborative person doesn't get their budgets cut as frequently. Right? Do you want to pay a jerk or do you want to pay a friendly guy? You probably want to pay the friendly guy. My program and and my recovery is all about being the guy I'd want to interact with. So uh, I hope that example made sense. 
It does. It does. It does. I, I have I think a, the other, Go ahead. I, I have another practice um, that uh, I use regularly in my house and through my app, uh, and it's the notion of leaving it in the garage. And so... Uh, suffering with my uh, mental illness, uh, with bipolar disorder, I typically need unwind time uh, when I come home. And before family and kids, I used to come home and literally sit in a dark room just to decompress from the day. Now, I have the concept of leaving it in the garage. I pull into the garage. I breathe in slowly through my nostrils. I let the air rush over my pituitary gland and I breathe out. And I say things like, I'm going to breathe in Michael, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to breathe in the universe, and I'm going to breathe out Michael. And that my wife and kids aren't the people I've been battling with today, so they don't deserve to take the spot in that battle. Well, I'll tell you, my marriage and my parenting is far, far better than it would be if I came home and started treating them like the clients that owed me money or the employees that weren't listening or the bills I needed to pay. And we'll so be right back I, right after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. Today we're talking with Michael Weinberger about recovery through mindfulness. And, and you know, Michael, as you've been talking, um, it's really apparent that you work very hard to change your thoughts and your feelings um, and to be in recovery and, and to change who you are as a person. And I think oftentimes people think that all there is to recovery is I'll just stop drinking, I'll eat the right foods, I'll stop overspending, I'll stop using um, drugs. And there's really more, recovery is really, um, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of work. That's right. It, 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 it takes a surprising amount of work uh, that, uh, you know, when practiced, uh, the rewards are there. Uh, the rewards are there for the taking. Um, because I used to think, and that's going back to, you know, finding happiness, happiness can happen pre recovery, right? Recovery is a mechanism to stop the behavior that is destructive in your life. Happiness is the decision to actively engage and participate in your life. So I use recovery to, uh, help me manage my food addiction to help me not drink. Uh, I then use mindfulness and other tools to keep me focused on the end game. And the end game is, is happiness. The end game is uh, thriving. Um, early on in my, uh, in my life, uh, you know, I grew up a very angry and rageful uh, individual. Uh, I had a father that uh, verbally and emotionally abused me. I was thrown out of high school. I was expelled from some colleges. I have had businesses fail. I've lost and gained all of my weight in recovery back. I've been divorced, right? And so the list goes on of all of these things that didn't turn out for the best. However, at the end of the day, I kept waking up and I kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I actually had a doctor, a therapist of mine say to me, Michael, I've never seen anyone uh, land on their feet as often as you do. And he said, I've also never seen anyone leave their feet as frequently as you do. And so uh, for me, the message of hope is that when I stop writing the negative story and I start rewriting the positive story, I am now married for five years in a relationship for eight and a half I have two healthy kids, my business, I have uh, close to 40 employees, I have a managed uh, mental illness, I haven't been hospitalized in seven years, Uh, I created my app uh, during a crisis where my medications were wrong, you know, I've recovered from crises uh, and bounced back without harming myself, Uh, and by, all, by, all, by the stretch of anyone's imagination, when people see me and interact with me, I've had people say, you know, 
your life's pretty good. And to me, that's the highest compliment of my, my a plan for living app working because there's days I don't want to be me. And so to get feedback from others that they think I've got it together, to me, means my recovery is working, right? Because that's all I hope for. I hope to feel uh, what I present, and uh, I hope to continue to thrive um, with my diagnosis. You know, so I Michael, consider how myself... Can, how, how can I'm people sorry, um, either get your app or um, contact you? Sure. So my app is available uh, in the App Store uh, and the uh, Google Play Store under a plan for living. It's A-P-L-A-N-F-O-R living. My website is aplanforliving.com. My email address is also M Weinberger, so M-W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R at aplanforliving.com. I could also be reached through my Twitter handle at a plan for living or on my Facebook page again at a, pl- a plan for living. So if there's one thing you can leave with our audience today, what would that be, Michael? I would say that happiness is a choice and that happiness is available for you right now. I think that that's a very powerful message and you talk a lot about hope and the ability to overcome whatever obstacles get put in our way and um, that that's a great power of example. Thank you for that. Thank you, Mary. Um, I think that, uh, you know, more and more people are using apps. You also mentioned um, talking with other people and being around other people, so... Um, it's important to have a social connection as well. Is that not true? That's, that's right. I think that, uh, you know, a key to recovery is, is surrounding yourself uh, with a great support system. And so that support system uh, can start in the rooms. Uh, it could extend to close friends. Uh, it could extend to medical professionals. Uh, it could extend to uh, online networks uh, and really an improved conversation with yourself. Um, because there's nothing you've done that would prevent you from, from achieving, you know, success in recovery. And as you're, and as you're describing this, recovery really is an inside-out job. It's not an outside-in. That's right. You the conversation you starts change, at home. Right. You can't change the things around you. You've got to change the things inside of you. Correct. Thank you so much for being our guest today and for sharing your your, uh, plan for living and your hopeful message, and um, I wish you great success. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks, Mary. Have a great week, everyone. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.